Hi, welcome to Crime on Prime Time. I'm here with my brother, Brady. So, for the listeners out there, you probably noticed that we didn't release an episode last week. That's because I was sick and Malik was traveling and we just couldn't get it done. And now we're getting it done this week. And Malik and A-Rod are still traveling. So, Brady's on with me today. I'm the replacement. The substitute. You're a great substitute. The second string. I try to get Carson to do it, too. I pleaded with him. I was like, you should do this with me and Brady. We should all do one together. Those dang Cowboys. Is that why he's not on? Yes, that's why. It's a Cowboys game. Since when did he care enough? Yeah, that's lame. That's an excuse. <laughs> it's a horrible excuse. I was like, and that small. is why I don't watch football. You know, this is why I need to have you on more often because I have to work around the football schedule every weekend because A-Rod's a Commanders fan, Malik's a Cowboys fan, and I have to find the point in time when those two teams are not playing that we can record. Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about me because... I will not be watching suck. any of those games. <laughs> Broncos beat the Chiefs. I know that. The Broncos did beat the Chiefs in front of Taylor Swift. No, she wasn't there. Was she not? I don't know. But, I know uh, she was. My, my manager had tickets to that game, but he couldn't go because we were traveling on business. Oh, that sucks. You should have given them to me. <laughs> not I'll that I care enough. Time. I just want to go to a football game. But the tickets are just expensive. Yeah. So it's hard yeah. to spend money when you're not a true dedicated fan. That's why you just go to Rockies games. Yeah, because they're like $18 because they also suck. Yep. And they have cheap beer. <laughs> they have cheap beer. It's a good thing Colorado has the Nuggets and the Avalanche. Yeah. You got to have some kind of wins. And we did. We got two championships. Not in the same year. Back-to-back years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Different sports. Yeah. Back-to-back years, yeah. Still a lot of fun. Yeah, good time. And I wasn't here for it. Were you not? What do you mean you weren't here for it? I wasn't here for the basketball one. I was angry. Yeah, that sucks because it was fun. Mm -hmm. I wanted to come back up, but our mom wouldn't let me drive back up to Colorado. So I was down in Texas. (laughs) not winning championships messed up and you know what now we missed the texas championship because the rangers just won that's true i'm always in the wrong state (laughs) yeah that i saw like there were so many people that i know that were at that parade yeah that would have been cool or like just to be at a bar during it that's what we was traveling i got off the plane and i got the alert that that the, the rangers won and I was like, oh, cool, neat. Yeah, I'm going to be real. I didn't, wasn't, re- I was at trivia night when the, tranger, the, tranger, Rangers, the Rangers won. But I did watch the Nuggets win their championship game at a brewery. And that was a lot of fun. And because the crazy. beer was cheap. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. So speaking of sports, that's a, Part of my question for the week, I saw this question on TikTok. 
and it was like if you had to just go do any olympic sport without training or nothing just right at this moment go do olympic sport which one do you think you could you have the best chance of winning hmm well really none um i don't think i have a chance in any of them i think if i was going to do it it'd have to be like a non-athletic one speed walking speed walking's a maybe but i still feel like those people can go they can i'm gonna have move. to pull up i want to pull up like the olympic sports list because i feel like there's some like little ones out there yeah that I mean, maybe I'm, I... I'm thinking like maybe archery or shooting just because i could get lucky Okay, I thought of archery too, and the only reason I thought of like I could maybe win that one was because in sixth grade when we went to Camp Grady Spruce, it was my first time doing archery, and I, I got a bullseye off the bat. So I was like, obviously, I'm a natural uh, archery and can win. I think the Olympic one might be a little further away than it was at the summer camp. But I got the award for bullseye beauty, so... Nice. I'm obviously a natural. Uh, is this summer and winter? Yeah, it can be either. Oh, then I, it's definitely um curling. Curling? curling my pick. Yep. You know, in the new one, they have flag football. Oh, why? So. Why would they have flag over tackle? probably be not to risk injuries we're also the only country that plays football yes yeah, so that's just a weird one to include in general i think it's an, also easy because you can do man, men's and women's you can do a women's tackle you ever mm -hmm. watch um oh what was it called lingerie football yeah but it i think, I it think was like, that was that not flag no that was full on tackle they nailed oh. it <laughs> And they were but like if, only wearing shoulder pads and sports bras. So they yeah. did not have a whole lot. And they were just. Well, that's why it's called lingerie. Yeah. You tend not to wear a lot of clothes when it's I think lingerie. the league is called something else though. Yeah. I don't think that's the official title. But okay. So they have flag football. So one, I feel like I could be decent at that. I've, I've played before. I wouldn't say it would be great. But like I've played, at least I've played that sport before. But. The NFL released that NFL players can play flag football in the Olympics. Like, they're going to let them play in the Olympics. Oh, so I'm definitely not winning in that one. Which is insane because we're the only country that plays football. And we're sending, like, the best guys. Oh, we're going to dominate. It'll be awesome. I wonder how they're going to pick the team. Just whoever it'll. I feel like there's probably not going to be a whole lot of guys who end up doing it because why risk getting injured? The only reason they'll do it is to say that they were like the first football that players Olympic to win an Olympic athletes? medal. Yeah, to say they're yeah, an Olympic yeah. athlete and the first ones to win an Olympic medal. Yeah. Um, I'm still I'm still keeping mine of curling. Curling. I was talking to one of the guys I work with said he knew a guy who was on like a, he 
He was like a professional curler. And he got into the sport because they had like a curling club in their city. And it was just a bunch of dudes drinking beer, like walking, just curling for fun. Is he and from like the Midwest, like Michigan no or Wisconsin? Idea. That sounds like a Midwest thing that they it would do. It does sound like a Midwest thing. I've, I've probably, but it, it just sounds like a good time. He said, it's just a bunch of dudes curling and like the, the U S like all the pro curlers in the Olympics, it's all just a bunch of like, just, just dads. Okay. Cause like athletes, these little sports, like, how do you, how do we find our professionals in these, like, it's in sports so like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like so how you do actually you have know? a decent chance of being like decent at it. If you can find a league. Yeah. Cause I'm sure do you there's think not Colorado a has a league. Oh, probably. Denver Curling League. <laughs> I would definitely get into that. Denver Curling Club. Yup. Learn to curl. All right. There you go, Brady. You can get your start. Table tennis, Brady. Ping pong. Oh, no. I have no chance in table tennis. <laughs> Those guys are insane. Yeah, they are insane. I'm just trying to choose ones we've done before. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like if I had to pick an actual sport, um, beach volleyball. Okay, yeah. He's in a volleyball. Break dancing? Oh, I could definitely get down. I'll get jiggy <laughs> with it for a medal. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Oh, do we could do equestrian? Have you seen the people who do um, hobby horsing? What is hobby horsing? It's equestrian, uh, like events, except instead of a horse, it's a stick horse, and they just run with the stick horse, and you have to do all the tricks and stuff yourself. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, we used to have stick horses. You remember our we stick did. horses? Yeah. yeah, and I was fantastic at it. All right, fine. We'll keep going. I'm taking the reins from you. Nice. Speaking of horses. <laughs> I'm taking the reins and I'm riding this bad boy to the next segment of the show. There we go. Okay. That seg was a little little clumsy, but... I'm a clumsy person. It's a part <laughs> of the person. I don't have A-Rod here. He's the Segway guy. Listen, we all have jobs on this job? podcast. We all have jobs on this podcast. Malik does the question. A-Rod does the segues. I do the research, the editing, <laughs> and the storytelling and everything in the social media and everything else. But we all have our jobs, okay? Nice. Can Here, can I try to do the segue? Yes, you can try to do the segue. Okay. Okay. Anyways. That's basically how A-Rod Go goes. Ahead. He just interrupts yeah. me and is like, all right, so next part of the show. Yeah, moving okay. on. <laughs> all right, so we watched NCIS Season 4, Episode 7, Sandblast. Now, just a little disclaimer up front. I watched this episode two weeks ago because I thought I was going to be doing this episode last week uh, until I got sick. And I also watched it on the treadmill while I was running, so I wasn't, like, taking notes. I was like, surely I'll just get home and just jot down some notes because I'll remember everything. And then 
that didn't happen. So I jotted down notes 30 minutes before we recorded. So this, 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 you know, I'm just going to keep the clumsy train going and we're going to clumsily get through summarizing this NCIS episode. I, I watched the episode in preparation, um, yesterday. I watched it while playing guitar. So I was not paying, I, I was in and out of, of paying attention to it, which made me realize why our mom likes watching these shows so much while she's going about doing errands because while i was i'd be watching it and i'm like yeah they're they're looking for the guy um and they tracked his his cell phone or whatever and then i'm sitting there and i think wait a minute how how did they find this guy like where why why is this the suspect what how did they get to this conclusion and i can't remember but that's fine because you don't need to know every step. <laughs> yeah, that's why she the, loves these shows. She doesn't yeah, really have to watch them. Going. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of NCIS? NCIS was not one of our family shows. It was not. Um, like what did I think about it yesterday while I was watching it? Yeah, kind of watching it. <laughs> while I was kind of watching it. I was thinking it was definitely easy to have on in the background. Yeah. Um. I I think it was much it, it was better made, much more well made, I think is how you say it, than the other show that we watched. What was it? CSI Miami. CSI Miami. Yeah. First of all, the names being all NCIS, CSI, things like that. It's confusing. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, no. that's bad marketing. I don't know which one came first, but the other one? Why? Yeah, they should have definitely made like a unique name to to stand out. Um Yeah, I've I've thoughts. I I took some notes while I was okay. watching of weird things that I noticed. So Okay. I think as we go through the show, I can point things out. First note, um Sandblast, the name of the episode, I'm pretty sure is a sexual thing. Oh, I'm pretty sure. And so I found it odd that that was the name of the of the episode. I've never heard the term sandblast. I am. I'm pretty what, sure. What, se- <laughs> what, what sexual thing? I'm I'm I don't remember, but I'm hesitant to Google sandblast sexual. I am, too, but I kind of want to know, like, I'm going to do sandblast urban dictionary. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's safe. If you had a guess, what would you think? Well, I just looked at it, so I already, I'm oh, can spoiled. I, can I guess? Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Do I? I want one hint. Is it an act or something in the middle of an act? Are you asking me if sandblasting is a verb? Yes. Is it a verb? Yes, it's a verb. Um, is it when you're performing a sexual act and gas expels from the body? Jesus. No. <laughs> Gross. 
What? Well, what is it? Um, so there's two definitions. Okay. Uh, one of them is when you are having dry, raw, lubricationless sex until you are in pain. Um, the other one is performing oral sex, uh, with a stubbly beard. <laughs> okay, wait, these are two very different things. So, having sex with no lube? This isn't going to make the cut, is it? <laughs> it might make the cut. The first definition is basically having just dry sex. Okay. Until you're in pain. The second the, one is when a guy performs oral with a with stubbly a beard. beard. Okay, I get that. That's fine. That's not weird. Um, The first one, though, question. At, at no point do you not become not dry. Like, how do you stay <laughs> I don't dry? know the details of it, Kinsey. <laughs> okay. I'm not married, so I don't know the details. <laughs> I don't mean either, so this is why I'm asking <laughs> you, who apparently knew this was a sexual term. I just, I was in junior high. I've heard well, I was in junior high too, and I did not know that. Yeah, but that. I was a guy in junior high, so it's completely different. This is true. I was also a Jesus freak in junior high, so no one was having these conversations with me. <laughs> um, well, there now I know. learning it now. Yeah. Now I know. So, going into this episode, I was expecting a much different episode. Oh, you were like <laughs> death by dry sex. I was just like, wow, we're doing this. Okay. They said until it hurts. They didn't mean until they die. <laughs> until it dies. <laughs> okay. So note number one, that was a fun note. Do you want me to start with the summary or do you have a note number two? No, you got it. Okay. So it opens with a dad and a son on a golf course and the dad hits a golf ball to the sand trap. So you got to go down there into the bunker, got to hit the ball out of the sand and he does. But what do you know? Boom. It explodes the bunker, the ball, the dad, the man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he died. Uh, in front right of the kid. There. In front of the kid. Yeah. It was crazy. Damn shame. Damn shame. I'm going to use this as an excuse the next time dad wants to play golf with me. <laughs> it's not safe. Yeah, sorry, dad. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> I know we're going to hit the ball into the bunker a lot. So just for <laughs> our safety. Yeah, I, I just don't want to risk you, man. <laughs> I love you too much. <laughs> Okay, so this is the episode where we meet Hollis for the first time. And so one of our – okay, our, the last NCIS episode we watched was our Alan Schindler Jr. episode. Who? Uh, he was – Brady, do you not listen to my podcast? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, well, he was uh, a gay sailor in the Navy that was murdered for being gay by okay. another sailor. Uh, so that was ba – or not based on, but shared similarities with an NCIS episode we watched. And Hollis was in that episode. Let me – I have my spreadsheet. Is Hollis the woman? 
Yes, Hollis is the woman. Okay. Don't you like love that name? I want to name my Hollis? child. Yes, I want to name my child that. I don't have one, but if I did, I would name it Hollis. It's a cool name, but if she acts like the woman in this episode, then I would not be a fan of that. <laughs> did you not like her? I Yeah, I don't know. Just wasn't wasn't a fan of the personality, but I get it because she is I feel like part of it might just be like she's in a male dominated field. She's yeah. Pro- she's probably having guys like trying to one up her all the time and she has to like assert herself and everything. Yeah. But I get that. But also she's not a very personable person. Well, she was in NCIS season 12, episode 13. We build, we fight. Are they married in that episode? They are not. Okay, so this is what I was going to bring up. Because when we watched that episode, Hollis was in it. And there was this, like, weird dynamic between Hollis and Gibbs. So I spent the whole episode trying to figure out if they had slept together. Because I was, they were acting all weird and whatnot. And, like, they knew each other. And so then we meet her for the first time in this episode just by coincidence. And at some point they have to have slept between this se- this episode in season four and season 12. They slept together at some point is I've, the vibe I'm I, getting. Yeah. Which was, I mean, I don't know Gibbs' character that well. So, like, you know, maybe it's that's all for it. But it's just, like, when he shows up and she's there, I'm not getting immediate sexual chemistry. <laughs> I'm just getting, wow, these people are both very hard people to – to work with i think that is also a true statement and then which personally would not make me you know would not make me attracted to someone <laughs> okay so what Brady's referring to is now so holla shows up she's with the army and she's like this is my crime to solve and gibbs was like back it up girlfriend this is my crime to solve and now it's a pissy match between the navy and the army yeah which does that happen in real life? I think it happens in real life. I've like listened to podcast episodes and stuff where like one county wants it and the other county like they'll fight over who ha- who gets the trial or who gets to solve the case or they won't bring in the FBI when they should have because they want to solve it on their- so I do I do think there is like some pissy matches in true crime between I just would assume that by now, like they would, they would have very hard, de- like rules on who gets the case at this point. So it wouldn't really be a pissing contest anymore. Yeah, but I think those rules always get—I don't know—bent, pending. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Anyways. Okay, so you know, they're they're having. A dig mes- measuring contest, and it appears that this was not a targeted hit because the bomb was in the bunker, so whoever placed it there had no idea who was going to be the victim. Was it in the bunker? I thought it yeah. was in the ball. Okay, I thought so for a long time, but then somewhere in the episode, it said something like there was like spider webs in the bunker, like a tripwire. Oh, because I, I was like, this is a weird way to do a bomb. And also 
the bomb the explosion was pretty big for how small it must be well my thought was also like why did the bomb ball bomb thing go off now if he's been because i thought there was a ball too i was like if he's been playing golf this whole time like when it have gone off on the first shot That's what or when thinking. it landed i was like and how did also it... how did he get the ball into that man's like yes bag? i had so Dude. many questions but i think the bomb was in the bunker okay that makes things that makes more things sense. make more sense but also it's kind of lame it's less whimsical Yes, it is less whimsical, but makes way more logical sense. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Okay, they were able to pull, like, plastic fragments from the body of the bomb. And so then Ducky was like, here's the fragments, and Gibbs like, give them to Abby. Abby's going to do her thing. Uh, and we got a suspect. They were like, it's the greenskeeper. Plot twist. It was... Is that it was it wasn't the greenskeeper. They just, like, that was their first suspect. And they, like, pulled him over. Oh, and... he's the one that had the drugs in it. Yeah. Hollis was okay. like, "It's this is my person to get, Gibbs. Back it up. And then they found weed. And Gibbs was like, your guy. You can take care of this. So, drug dealer, not murderer. We don't know if he's a drug dealer. He could be a drug connoisseur. I mean, I think he had a lot of drugs on him. He's a he's a big connoisseur. <laughs> so then we get this sexy scene between Gibbs and Hollis when she goes to his house and then Weird just scene. walks in. Walks into his house. Just does it. Because he wasn't answering the door. He's ex Navy, right? Is that how I that have works? absolutely no idea his history she said he was a sniper oh yes point. she did say that and that was the first thing i learned about gibbs yeah which i would not walk into a, a a sniper's house just on my own without being let in because i'm assuming like, he has a gun in there also you just met this man and you're like we're good enough friends that i can just walk into his house yeah she does not have probable cause or warrant this and is the second time that we have watched a show where a cop just enters another person's house without the proper uh, documentation. Or just being invited. She could have just been invited. Obviously, he did not want you there. Yeah, yeah. But she was Which, like... During this, so so there, you know, she comes in. He's doing some woodworking, I think. I couldn't tell what he was making. Is he building a boat? That's I don't know what why. I, thought. I don't know why I think it's a boat, but for some reason I think he's building a boat. I that's what I thought. I was like, why is he building a boat in his garage? I <laughs> guess the garage he's maybe, or the basement. So he just misses it. It has to be the garage because how's he gonna get the boat out of his basement? Uh, that's a good point. Okay, yeah, that's a good. He puts movie. it together and he's like, "Damn it! I didn't think this through." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so the. What I know about NCIS is the five episodes I've watched for this podcast. I don't even think it's been five. It's been like three or four. And just like the little bit I've seen when walking through the house when mom had it on. Mm -hmm. And there's always – he's always in this basement doing something if he's not at work, like building this thing. I don't know if he ever officially builds this boat. It's, yeah, a, it's no just idea. a thing. It's always been a thing. You know who would know? 
Jolene. The Williams. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'll have them on my next NCIS <laughs> podcast, and I'll Give be like, no. Background. Explain all twenty seasons to me in detail. I just that's that's one of the only reasons I know anything about NCIS is because they <laughs> they had the Gibbs's rules that they yeah. they mentioned a few times, and I never knew they who love Gibbs it. Was. Yeah, they they really this is like their criminal minds. This is their shit. So I don't know, but anyways, he's building this boat, and Hollis breaks into his house and they have this like sexy moment not that they had sex nor touch but it was weird flirtation sexual tension and they had there is a special moment so they're talking about the case and she goes to get the beer so that they can talk and while she's like walking away to get the beer gives like peeks over and it just shows like an ass shot of her and and it did that and i was like yeah it shows that and i was like ah classic ass shot weird of gibbs to be doing that and then gibbs goes back to working and he's like bent over and then she turns around and she's staring at his ass and it like pans and like just shows ass like gibbs ass shot and i was like okay equality all right this is <laughs> i didn't catch of any of the ass shots but they okay if there's ass shots then they definitely sleep together at some point i i would think so if, there if was you also, look at someone's ass, you're bound to sleep with them. Yeah. There was also that weird moment where she, like, touched the boat. And he, like, did he grab her hand or just was like, don't do that? Yeah, he was like, don't touch my boat. Don't touch- <laughs> he touched, that's like in Nemo. He was like, yeah. he touched the butt. He touched the butt. Okay, so that was a fun scene that solidified in my head that something happened between those two. Yeah, for sure. Then we... Also have the side story of McGee having poison ivy on his balls. Weird detail that they threw which in. I'm, I think they just I'm didn't not... have anything for that guy to do. Okay, but how did he get poison ivy on his balls? What was he doing in the woods at the golf course <laughs> to get poison ivy on his he balls? He had to pee. He had to pee. That better, but they never answer that question. They're just like, he has poison ivy on the balls. We're not going to take any questions right now. <laughs> Thank it. you. That's it. No no clarification on how it got there. No him being like, I had to go to the bathroom. When didn't... Like, what? I like, to just imagine, took... I like to imagine in the writer's room, all the writer, they have this entire episode planned out. And they're like, what are we going to have McGee do? And then one writer's like, I don't know. Give him poison ivy on his balls. I don't know. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, he's at a golf course. There must be poison ivy. Yeah. But I'm like, sure one writer was like, how does he get it on their on his balls? And everyone was like, shut up. Stop asking questions. Here's the thing. Like, with us, like, stupid as the Nozo is, or as much of an idiot as he is, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Denozo. Is that the, he, the, the lady guy? The lady yeah. killer? Okay. Yeah. He would have definitely his personality. He would have definitely been like McGee. How did you get poison ivy on your ball? Like give him such so much shit for it, and then McGee yeah. would have had to explain why. And they didn't do that. And I'm like, but but don't Tony would have done that. Maybe it's a deleted scene. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's left on the cutting room floor. 
I don't know. Anyways, I just thought it was weird with no explanation of, of how it got at that spot. You could have put it anywhere. Got it on his hands. Got it on his face. Like Yeah, but then you can't have the humping scene. That was also weird. Balls against the table. That was so weird. Yeah. He's, yeah, his, char- his character had no reason to be in this episode. <laughs> he had nothing to do besides scratch his balls, which is hilarious. So, okay, where are we? Apparently, I want to know for sure if baking soda and white vinegar is a poison ivy, ivy reliever. I have no idea. <laughs> have you ever gotten poison ivy? No. I haven't either. Our dad did one time. Okay, next time he gets it, let, let's tell him to do baking soda and yeah. vinegar. And, and I'm going home in a couple of weeks. I'll just give it to him then. Yeah, just while he's sleeping, just... Sneaking in his room. And an just experiment. rub him with poison ivy. <laughs> I am not doing it on his balls, though. Yo, you don't That's have to do I it on his balls. <laughs> okay, so the bomb parts... So the McGee is not just in Abby's little lab to get poison ivy reliever he's in there to find information which she had none so like the whole thing with plastic being found on the body or whatever it's kind of all mute because all of it is mute there's no lead there's it's there's it's all generic or it's all degraded so one of my comments about ncis as a whole is sometimes the background music is weird Yes. Like, I feel like, and so any scene with Abby in her little office thing, the background music is like, like really up-tempo hip-hop drums. Okay, I made no this reason. comment in like the first NCIS episode we watched because it was like really high-speed, fast-paced music. And so you're thinking that this conversation is going to go really fast. We're about to like jump, 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 jump. And it was so slow. No, and I was like, yeah. this music is not fitting what's happening in yeah, this scene. Yeah, she's like, I, have, I, I came to no conclusions. And then the mu- music's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... I've also called NCIS out for this. So it's like, your music's not fitting what's actually happening. Okay, cool. As long as, it, as long as we can both acknowledge it. Yes. It's not the who, though. The Who. The Who would have been even weirder. So. Okay. So since you brought it up, the Who. Yeah, they're not in NCIS. They're not. But I do have to say for our listeners, me and Brady got a text from Mama Jolene informing us that all the NCIS do the Who. No, all the CSIs. All the CSIs. Dang it. I did it. All the CSI have the Who. So apparently, the makers are big fans of the Who, which I can't blame them. The Who, the Who is a good band. Yeah, but just had to throw that tidbit out there. Mama Jolene informed us. Thank you, Mama yeah. Jolene. So, yeah, they have no leads whatsoever. So Gibbs goes to his boss and was like, "We've got no leads," and she's like. That's okay, because the CIA has leads because they have an informant that said it the to go to this location, and they'll find the people. And he was all mad. He was like, well, why didn't we find out about this sooner? 
And she was like, because we all hate each other. Bureaucracy. <laughs> so they go to this warehouse where they think they're, they're going to find this, like, terrorist group. And they go in and painted big on the wall is Death to America. And there's no one there, but it is rigged with a bomb. So then we're under, as the viewer, we're under the impression that everyone's about to blow up. Which they're not at all. No, because Ziva's to the Ziva's to the rescue. And they're just very casual about like she's like, Yeah, I can I can defuse it. And then they just walk up to the bomb. And she diffuses it. And the who who's the Devito? Denozo Denozo. Um he just like follows her. And, and he's I was looking simply, down her shirt the whole time. I that's another comment. That's another comment. He, the man, for all he knows, this is one of his last moments on Earth, standing next to this bomb, and he uses this moment to sexually harass his coworker. Dude, this isn't even like the worst thing that Donoza has done that I've seen in these episodes. Really, he was, he was like really. I call him out every time we do an NCIS episode for this one incident. The first NCIS episode we watch, racist. He was saying he was like incredibly racist in the episode. I mean, cool. he sat there and because like it was about these African immigrants, and he was like, "I just don't understand why they can't talk like us." Damn. <laughs> I know. I mean, it was like so blatant, and I ever <laughs> since then I'm like, he's supposed to be the lovable like, like comic relief. Yeah, and just, like, lovable idiot or whatever. And I'm like, he's an ass. He's no. just an ass. He's just, this woman is defusing a bomb. She's incredibly nervous, and the entire time he's like, I can see your boobs. <laughs> I can see your boobs right now. Your shirt is wide open, just so you know. Yeah. And it's like, what? This man is HR's worst nightmare. I know. He's horrible. Also, when he's, like, talking to the grieving kid and he just starts doing a Christopher Walken impression, not the time. There's a lot of times for a Christopher Walken impression. Talking to a grieving kid is not one of them. He was comedic relief. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, he's something else. I've, I can't stand by him. Also, I don't know why this made me think of this, but... Did you catch in the beginning when they first arrived at the golf course? Um, what's her name? The girl? The, Ziva. No, see Ziva. And she goes, she just casually mentions the Jewish group that collects the bodies of the body parts of terrorist like acts or acts of terrorism. Yeah. Weird thing to just casually mention and then just and not the bring way, up ever again. Yeah, I know. There's a there's a Jewish group, a group of Jewish people who collect the bodies of, like, terrorist crimes. What do they do with them? Well, yeah, why is it? Yeah, I'm. I was very confused about that, and they just didn't just they didn't. No, just a fun piece of information. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool, that's a thing. Oh. Now I know. Okay, I have so many more questions, but I'll just keep rocking and rolling. I'm not gonna answer any of them. It has nothing to do with just what just happened here, but yeah. So, anyways, I just I wanted to circle back since I I thought of that. But bomb, they defuse okay. the bomb. So they defuse the bomb. 
And they go back to headquarters and they want to talk to the informant, but the CIA is like, no, he's our informant. You don't get to know who he is. So McGee hacks Homeland Security, who apparently keeps track of all of this information and finds out the informant name. So Gibbs and Hollis go down to the little convenience store he works at to talk to him. His name is Muhammad Sharif. For the record, um, McGee hacking Homeland Security is definitely a federal offense. And he would for sure yes. be arrested for that. Mm-hmm. So just want to acknowledge that. Also, I, I feel like it. it shouldn't be that easy to hack Homeland Security. Yeah, he's like, I did it. Yeah, got it done in five seconds. Yeah, a classic movie scene where they're like, it'll take years for us to get in. And then the hacker goes, I'm in. Okay, that happened again in the first episode of NCIS we watched for this podcast. And it was nuclear code. There was like a Trojan horse and the nuclear bombs were about to go out. Like someone else hacked it, which I'm sure took like a lot more time. And the nuclear bombs were about to go off. And they're like, McGee, fix it. Fix the code. And he was like, I don't know. And they're like, you can do it. He gets it done in two minutes. And I'm like, this man does not know nuclear code. You don't just <laughs> know nuclear code. You can know other codes. That does not mean you know nuclear codes. He sits down and he just writes password. And he goes, <laughs> I'm in. I was like, that's such bullshit. Anyways, so again, a theme through NCIS is that McGee can apparently just hack anything within minutes. Very neat. I do appreciate that they spread the like spark smartness across the group yeah there's Instead not just, just making abby the smart girl yeah they can do everything i appreciate that so they go to this informant sharif and they're like tell us what you know and he just said that some guy was buying a slurpee and he overheard them say that the golf course was just the beginning and hands them a tape a videotape a VHS, if you will. It's an oldie. Yes. So they go back to NCS headquarters. They're like, Abby, look at this tape for us and buy find anyone that's buying a Slurpee, which I'm like, okay, but isn't that the only reason you got, like, how many people, I feel like a lot of people buy Slurpees. I mean, when was the last time you bought a Slurpee? This is true. I don't know. But I feel like the people do. I don't do it often. Okay. So maybe not. So then Gibbs is like, where's Denozo? Get him here. I want him to watch the convenience store. But Denozo was talking to the son of the first victim, trying to convince him to go to Princeton instead of enlisting. Did not go over well. Mm -mm. So, and then we got another sexy scene between gibbs and hollis who at this point cannot stop flirting yeah she can't keep it in her pants honestly mm -mm. they're like very what are they doing they're like mcgee is like hacking homeland security and she said something like devious and smart and he was like you forgot you forgot you forgot Charlie." <laughs> You forgot Charmy. And she goes, no, I did not. Just in front of everyone. I'm like. <laughs> and everyone's sitting like... there uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like openly flirting at this point. And at this point, I'm like, okay, are they going to bang this episode? 
feels like that's where we're headed. Yeah, they're just teasing you. They are. And so now it's just them. They're eating dinner at NCIS, some like Chinese. And she's like, I'm a cheap date. And he's like, oh, is this a date? And she's like, yeah, it's a date. Yikes. Yeah. So that's that scene. So we got another sexy scene. And then the next thing we know is the convenience store catches on fire. I Actually, I've got to say, I've actually run out of my notes, but I got to say, yeah, I I think that's the order, the sexy scene and then the convenience store on fire. I can't remember which way. Something like that. Something I, like that. I was in and out of paying attention. So. Okay, so the convenience store catches on fire and the CIA informant dies. Supposedly supposedly at this point i'm just going off of my memory i don't know what happens next this may be the wrong order and i don't know how we got from point a to point b but at some point they learned that there's another bomb yeah (laughs) i i got kind of lost in it also this abraham dude okay so the sharif guy is not dead he's actually the bomb maker the bomber the murderer that they're chasing and he convinces this abraham guy who has like a mental illness to take a backpack is it to a university it's a public area but do they find the abraham guy because that's the guy that abby catches when she's looking at the footage so abby has the security footage and she's doing the the screening of it she can read lips and she knows sign language which is cool that's neat but because there's no audio so she has to read everyone's lips it's all coming back to me and she finds someone that said that says something weird something terroristy and that's how they find abraham and i think they track his phone to the uh to the public area where he has okay. the bomb. Okay. Good job. I, I, this is, I, I know scenes and I don't remember exactly how they're connecting. And this is my wild guess on how they're connecting, but I'm pretty sure that's it. I can't remember how they figure out that it's not Sharif that's dead. Oh yeah. I don't remember that. Any, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so they track Abraham down, like Brady said. He's in this public place. He's holding on to this backpack. He's spouting stuff from the Bible. And they're trying to defuse the bomb in his hand. He doesn't know he has a bomb. He's not in on it. He's just a mentally ill man that someone took advantage of. Sad. Yeah. So he's, yeah, doing that. All that's happening. Then Sharif is in the crowd watching to see if this bomb explodes, but leave it to Ziva to defuse the bomb once again. But first, they're they're like, all right, we need to clear the area, but we can't mm-hmm. let him know we're clearing the area. And Gibbs goes, I got this, and then starts grabbing things to go undercover. Puts his badge yeah. away, puts his gun away, steals someone's hat. Yes, to wear. As if Abraham has ever seen Gibbs and would recognize him without the hat. That was just a weird, unnecessary detail. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's a good point. And someone's, and then someone goes, "Oh, my hat!" and then just walks away. 
and I'd be pissed if someone stole my hat. But like, sir, you cannot take that. Yeah, I feel like that would draw a lot more attention to you than just not having the hat. Or maybe the hat was for Sharif in the crowd because you didn't want Sharif to think that. Maybe. That's a possibility. I just, I still feel like it's risky to just steal someone's hat and hope they're not going to ask for it back. Yeah. Like what happens when Gibbs is talking? So Gibbs goes and sits on the bench next to Abraham Mm -hmm. and they're having this chat about um, the Bible and stuff because that's what Abraham connects with. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, what if the person comes back and is like, sir, you stole my hat. Like that would just completely blow your cover. He was in that disguise for all of, like, five minutes and then was like, okay, now bring in the whole team. Yeah, bring in the team. Yeah. And then she, Shiva? Shiv? Ziva? Ziva. She she um, disarms the bomb. Yep. Uh, and then they look around for Shiv. He's not Sharif. there. Sharif. I can't remember. No one is named name. Shiv. Um, Sharif. Sharif. They look around for Sharif. He's not there. And Holly goes. Uh, Hollis. Hollis. Hollis goes. He's not here. And the Gibbs goes. He was. Or he's not, the not anymore. And then and he gets away. To black. To be continued. Is that what it said? To be continued. I, I just assumed it cut to black. Yeah. So that's how it ends. They didn't catch the bad guy. Nope. But but it did end with the son saying that he was going to enlist, go to Princeton. Thank God. Law school and then go work for like. I was so concerned about this kid and whether he was going to go to college. (laughs) Hey, man, it did show that Dinozo might have some humanity. I guess when he's not being racist or sexist. Yeah, they were like, we have to have a silver lining here. Like, this man has to have some decent qualities. He's not. So he's racist and sexist, but he does support college education. So you can't. He does want the best for this white kid that probably had the same upbringing as Tony. (laughs) Okay. So. Do you know the real life story that shares some similarities with this one? Yep. Which one? Take it away, Kinsey. <laughs> I was going to see if you could guess. Um, I there's no ch- I mean there's no chance I could guess, but you're going to know it talking... as soon as I say it. Really? Nine mm-hmm. eleven. I think so. It's not nine eleven, but it. Oh, it's well, <laughs> close. It's very close to nine eleven. Oh, nine twelve. <laughs> no, it's a month after. Okay, um, you were talking. Oh, the to... day after. My bad. Um, I was talking to Kinsey before this, and she no, goes, "No, I'm Kinsey." Oh, you're telling the listeners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Kinsey before this, and she goes, "Um, just so you know, this one does involve a death. This one is a murder." Which I explicitly asked her the last time I was on. I think for us I kept to not it. do a murder. Yeah, I think I kept it in the episode. Like if they go back and listen to it, it's basically me being like, I'm sorry, Brady. I promise next time you're on I won't do a murder. I promise. Murders make me sad. Okay. Listen up, listeners. Here's the thing. 
I had already dedicated too much time and research into this episode to be like, oh, now Brady's going to be on because I thought Malik and A-Rod were going to be on. I listened to a whole podcast about this uh, story. You're doing called... a report on a podcast? Yeah, I'm basically summarizing someone else's podcast. It's called Operation <laughs> Trade Bomb. It's pretty good. And it's, it's, there's like nine episodes. They're all like 20 minutes long. And it's literally just about this. It's essentially a documentary and podcast format. But it is really good. It's going to have a shit ton more details than I'm about to give. So if you want to go listen to someone actually professionally do it, go listen to Operation Trade Bond after you listen to this episode. Because you still don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, I'm sorry. Okay. I promise the next time you're on, and I know ahead of time, I'll pick a story that does not involve death. Sure, sure. But I was already too dedicated. Actually, I had already switched the episode I was going to, or the story I was going to do anyways, because I've been wanting to do uh, the Underground Weathermen, or the Weathermen Underground. Do you know who that, that, do you know about that? Okay, I didn't Sounds like an awesome band. I didn't either, and now- like I was so I was like, why haven't we heard about this? So I really want to do it, but there's a lot that like goes into it, and I'm getting very confused once I start researching it. So I need time to do that, but I will one day. But essentially, it was like college students that just started protesting the Vietnam War by blowing things up in the United States. Oh, that's not a great way of doing. Yeah. Things. So I was gonna do that, and then I was like, no, I don't have enough time to do that. So then I started doing this one. So then I, I was dedicated to it. I'm sorry. Thanks for being here. It's a piece of history. We're going to get through this. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me with it. 9-11 was not the I first... told you. <laughs> no, no, listen. 9-11 was not the first time a terrorist act had been made on the World Trade Center. Did you know that? Yes. On February 26, 1993, a first attempt was made. The 1993 World Trade Center bombing is our story today. But the real story of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing starts years before that, on November 5, 1990. So what do you know about the 93 bombing? About the night. The only reason I know about it is because there's a rap song, and I forget which song it is. I believe it's by Biggie, um, that makes a reference to the the bombing, and everyone thought he was predicting nine eleven, because he says something like "blow up like the World Trades" or something like that. But it's because he was referencing the ninety three bombing. Yes. So that is all I know about it. Okay. I feel like we probably read something about it when we went to the World Trade, the probably. 9-11 Museum. I think there was like they were a trying to portion. They were trying to take out the columns, right? Yeah. It, yes. Like take it down from the bottom? Yes. They were trying, they thought if they blew it up in the uh, parking garage that one tower would fall into the other tower. Spoiler alert, it didn't. No. So, that would not happen for another eight years. But this story gets crazy. Like, 
there's a lot to it and there's like a lot more that i didn't know about i mean i i essentially i was like i had, had no idea any of this well let's hear it then okay so like i said it starts on november 5th 1990 actually on this day, Rabbi Mayor Kane was giving a speech in the Marriott Hotel in East Side Manhattan. Rabbi Kane was a notable and controversial figure in the Jewish community. He was the founder and leader of the Jewish, Jewish Defense League, a group that has been classified as a terrorist group. The JDL was founded on the principles of using terrorist tactics on U.S. Soviet establishments to persuade communist nations to change their anti-Semitic politics. Interesting. Okay, do you know about any of it? I don't know. You know more history. You know more things like this than me, so I don't know what you know. If you know any of this, fill in some gaps. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I, I feel like you said Soviet, and I don't think that's quite right, because the USSR would be apart by now, right? This is the nineties. Yes, I. Yeah. Maybe uh, actually, it might have still been together, but I thought in eighty eighty eight was like the start of the fall of the USSR. I don't know about that. All I know is that that's what I read. <laughs> Okay, yeah, fair enough. I do not know anything about the uh, anti-Semitic. They were still communist because they wanted the communist nations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, so they would attack, like, Soviet political figures on U.S. So soil. Interesting. Fun fact. Yeah, that personally would not be the way that I would go about doing it. I get what they're saying. Anti-Semitism is not good. Yeah, I'm anti. But also anti terrorism for sure. Also terrorism is not good. The Venn diagram of I I hate or I don't like anti-Semitism and I don't like terrorism. And they're on the right side. They're in the or they yeah. they're not in the center of that. They're only in so, one of those peoples. Ironically, the thing was that Jewish people in Moscow were essentially like knock it off we don't support this this isn't what we agree with because the jdl was in the united states and basically saying they're doing this for all the jewish in the soviet countries and the jews in the soviet countries were like say what now we don't want that <laughs> like this isn't for this isn't for us so ironically they were like no we do not associate with them not us knock it off quit it knock it off okay so Say that's all the terrorists out there that's the jdl that really honestly what i just told you doesn't matter to our story i just found it interesting oh cool <laughs> well it kind of does okay because this tangent. rabbi was the founder of this group the founder and the leader okay on this night november 5th 1990 the rabbi was speaking about a new goal to rid Israel of all Arabs and reclaim it Arabs. as Arabs. My bad. My bad. All Arabs and reclaim it as Jewish inherited soil. This is very topical. Yes. And it was a lot of what I was like, what's going on now? 
Okay, so after the speech, the rabbi hosted a meet and greet, and one of the men through the line was El Said Nocer. He was wearing a yarmulke, but really, El Said was Muslim, a Muslim man from Egypt that immigrated to the U.S. in 1981 and became a citizen in 1989. When it was his turn to shake the rabbi's hand, he pulled a gun from his sleeve and fired, hitting the rabbi in the neck. El Said ran from the hotel, shooting another man in the leg who was trying to block his exit. At gunpoint, he hopped into a cab and told the driver to go. By now, El Said was being chased by Jewish audience members in attendance at the hotel that night. However, this is New York City we're talking about, so it didn't take long for the taxi to get stuck in traffic. El Said jumped out and began to run on foot, the mob still chasing him. Fortunately, he ran straight into a postal police officer leaving work. The officer saw El Said and drew his weapon. Bam! El Said fired first, straight into the, co the officer's chest. Thankfully, the officer was wearing his bulletproof vest and he fired back. Poetically, El Said was hit in the neck, but he survived his injury and was taken into custody. The rabbi did not survive his injuries. Sad. The trial has the trial had parts of New York City. Let me start that sentence over again. <laughs> <laughs> the trial had parts of the. Oh my goodness. The trial, the, trial, what? the trial had parts of the New York City population split. The courtroom was split with angry and grieving Jews on one side and supportive Muslims on the other. Outside the courthouse was the same, with American officers right in the middle to keep the protests peaceful. El Said pled not guilty, vehemently denying playing any role in the assassination. Kind of sounds like everyone saw him do it, though. Well, that's what you would think, right? Kind of sounds like he has a lot of witnesses. That's what you would think. Okay. Is that not, is that not what happened? His defense was that a rival JDL faction killed Rabbi Kahan, thus hoping to raise a reasonable doubt of defense. Okay. His lawyers at first were like, okay, he did it. We're going to go for like a political angle or something. And then they talked to him and he was like, no, I didn't do it. And they're like, okay. And then they gave they looked at all the evidence and stuff and they're like, okay, no, he didn't do it. It was this rival JDL. Because apparently it was well known facts that the JDL was having problems within itself. Interesting. So they're trying to tear them apart, kind of a thing. Like even more. Create more yeah. division. The, yeah, that's basically was like there's already division in it. Who's to say? Hmm. Meanwhile, two detectives from the Joint Terrorism Task Force, detectives Napoli and Antiset, I'm not going to say that. this is so hard. Ansev, I think it's Ansev. Sorry. We're behind the scenes investigating to see if this was a terrorist act 
or just a homicide? Was it political? Sounds like it was for sure political. Was it? Telling me from what you're telling me, it sounds like it. Was it? They already had a head start because they had been surveilling El Said and other members of the Al Al Farouk Mosque after they received a tip that they were attempting to buy 50,000 rounds of AK-47 am- ammunition. It's a lot of it's a lot of ammo. Yeah, so apparently some store owner or warehouse guy called up the Joint Terrorism Task Force and was like, "Hey, I have someone trying to buy 50,000 rounds of AK-47 t- ammunition." <laughs> so you might want to like, know. How many? Who? What? So I'm glad that someone's flagging that. Yeah, I can respect that shop owner. Yeah. After further and further investigation, they learned this group would take Muslim men. So it's like this group of men from this one mosque are like the, the center of this story. So they were taking other Muslim men to a shooting range in Long Island to train them to be soldiers and then to send them to go fight in Afghanistan. Interesting. Seems like if they were going to do that, it'd be easier just to send them to Afghanistan and train them there. Uh, listen, I don't know, man. They were they were doing it in, in Long Island. Okay, fair enough. So when El Said was arrested, they dumped his phone records and saw that he was frequently communicating with one of the men from the mosque. Okay, this guy's name is the hardest. I listened to it over and over again. I am going to try my best. This is the only one I'm not confident in. Muhammad Abu Lima. I actually think I did a good job on that. That was good. It's nice. Abu Lima. But he's also known as the Red because he had red hair. Oh, cool. So we're <laughs> so going to call, call him, him the Red. Yeah. The Red. <laughs> so when they showed up at the apar- at his apartment complex, the Red's apartment complex, the super tells the detectives like, "Hey, I was actually just in that guy's apartment. Actually, the Red used Okay, so like they dumped El Said's phone records. It actually didn't have this guy's name. It was some alias. So when they showed up to the apartment complex, I think the alias was like Weber. And they're like, we're looking for Weber. And the super was like, there's not a Weber here, but there is a man named Abu Lima. And they're like, hey, wait, he's on our radar. They knew who, the detectives knew who he was because they had the picture of the group of men from Long Island. And they were like, oh, wait, we know that guy. And he was like, yeah, they, he always has like men over uh, like all times of the night. They're working on something. I don't know. And he was like, hey, call us back once they're here because we want to talk to him. And the super was like, okay, sounds good. Well, the super calls him up a week later and goes, hey, I was just in his apartment to work on something, and I found blasting caps. And the detectives were like, oh, shit, okay, we're coming. So they got what's called a serotypish serot serotypish warrant apparently it's some warrant that lets them search the property without the owners having to be there is that surreptitious yes it's that word okay. surreptitious <laughs> warrant okay 
Surreptitious. How do you say it? Surreptitious. Surreptitious. Yeah, but it's like surreptitious. Surreptitious. Yeah. Okay. So they got this war that essentially meant that Red didn't have to be there for them to search it. They could do it without his knowledge. And so they did, but they found nothing. Like, apparently he, like, got the vibe that he got caught and cleared, like, all the evidence out. But they still had, like, the super kept one blasting cap with Uh, them. Yeah, a souvenir. Yeah, so they had that blasting cap from the super. Also, kudos to that. Shout out to that super. What's it, super? Like, uh, the guy that, like, does work around an apartment complex. Oh. Okay. Is what they call a super. Cool. Neat. Yeah. So he's, like, a handyman. Yeah, the handyman. Nice. Shout out. We got a lot of people just doing some good public service out here. (laughs) Okay. So at this point, they knew the investigation needed to intensify. Now they're like, oh, shit. We got people out here making bombs. This has gone further than just making soldiers and sending them to Afghanistan. And what better way than getting an inside man? They enlisted the help of an Egyptian man that had helped the FBI before named Imad Salim. Imad, a former major in the Egyptian the Egyptian army agreed to do it under the condition that he would just be there to feed intel, but that the detectives would use that intel to further find evidence and then make arrests. Uh, so that this was going to prevent Imad from having to ever testify in court for his and his family's safety. So he cool. would just kind of be like, Hey, just giving them like details, but the officers have to do their own investigation so that they could essentially find evidence without there ever being a trace that there was an inside man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I can respect that. Yeah. So he was like, no testifying, but I'll do it. And they were like, sounds good. Let's do it. But throughout the operation, Imad proved himself to be somewhat uncontrollable and a little bit rogue. His first assignment was to show up to protests outside the courthouse and kind of get a feel for the crowd and to spot like major a major player and a close friend of El Said's. His name was Abramil Gibroni. Gibroni? Gibroni. Gibroni? Yeah. Okay. He's besties with El Said. Nice. So they were like, we want you to just go see that man, kind of get a feel from him, far away, keep a low profile, just, you know, first time out, just get a get a feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, vibe check. Yeah. But Ahmad started to chant along with the crowd. And people started to notice, mostly because they were not familiar with him nor had seen him before. So a new guy shows up, and he's, like, hardcore into it, too. And they're like, who are you? Excuse me? Mm-hmm. In fact, Gabroni approached him. 
The conversation was mostly about Imad and his background, of which Imad disclosed his military background. And Gabroni seemed to take interest. He asked Imad what type of training he had, and Imad told him explosives. This was an outright lie, but Gabroni ate it up. And just like that, on his first day undercover, Imad was in. Nice. Meanwhile, inside the courtroom, the defense was putting on a hell of a case. The prosecution could not produce one witness that identified El Saeed as the shooter. How? Why? I don't know. How? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was like, really? Didn't they, they, they even chase one? them down the street? Not a single one? They chased them down. The, apparently, I guess they like, I think that there's like conflicting sources. I kind of got confused because some said there wasn't a witness that could identify him and then others said and maybe that's the case maybe no one could say like i know it was that man for a fact yeah everyone just went into mob mentality and chased the random dude yeah and so like i guess some of them testified that the shooter had curly hair well ahmad had straight hair and he pointed oh. this out he was like does my client look like he has curly hair it couldn't have been me i straightened my hair that day <laughs> so yeah, they couldn't produce one witness that could 100% say that El Saeed was the man that shot the rabbi. Whack. And Rabbi Khan's family refused an autopsy, so the bullet that linked the gun that El Saeed had to the rabbi's death could not be recovered. Therefore, there was no link between the gun and the shooting. <sighs> That's frustrating. The defense also presented a witness that said they saw another Jewish man get into the ambulance as Rabbi Kahan was loaded in and push on the rabbi's throat, insinuating that this was the other JDL faction finishing the job. Oh, and there's no autopsy to confirm that that's not how he died. Damn. Just let him do the autopsy. I wonder if it's religious is what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know I don't either, know but that would be a thing. That's kind of what I was. I, I imagine like that would be, be the beneficial. only. Yeah, but I imagine that's the only reason that they wouldn't want it was because it was against their religion. It's against our religion to solve murders. Well, so. I think it's. It's like some religions have very specific ways of like preserving bodies death after death. Yeah. Maybe. And on December 21st, 1991, after a five-week five trial, the verdict was out. The jury found El Saeed Nocer. What do you think? I'm going to go with not guilty because there's zero evidence. Yeah, they found him not guilty of Rabbi Mayor Kane's murder. Whack. However, El Saeed was sentenced to 7 to 22 years in prison on gun possession, assault, you know, because they, he did shoot a police officer. He shot a cop. Yeah. yeah. And coercion. 
I don't don't know where Cor- that comes. Coercion. Cor- coercion. 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 I yes, can't okay. say it. Yeah, I don't know where that charge comes from, but apparently they got he that to stay. Someone. Yeah, stemming from the events of November fifth, nineteen ninety. So he he still went to jail. It's not for murder. And a lot of, okay. Okay. So, so the to jail. the judge. I read this article, and the judge basically in court well, after the verdict came out, and he was doing the sentencing thing. He basically said, "I, I don't agree with the jury." I think he flat out said, "Like I don't agree with the jury." <laughs> They're wrong. Given all this evidence, but that's what they Hold. found, and that's what I have to. So I'm giving. So he gave him the max. He essentially he's like, "I think the jury sort of found you guilty. I'm giving the max I can for these." Interesting. Interesting that that's how that works. I'm surprised yes. he would just come out and say, like, I think the jury's wrong. The judge apparently can say whatever they want after that the trial. Seem to me. I think it <laughs> So. So how does this tie into the 1993 bombing? And we're getting there. El Said would enjoy time with his family behind bars. Apparently at the Attica prison, there are little apartment-style houses where the family can come visit and stay with the inmate for like a weekend. It has a kitchen for them to use and cook dinners. It has a TV. It's just a home away from home that your family can come and visit you in jail and stay with you for a weekend. A fun little retreat. Yeah. Which was also interesting to me because I had never heard that. There's some nice jails. Yeah. So, else, okay, so he enjoyed that time with his family. But they weren't the only visitors he got. Imad and the other men from the mosque would visit El Said as well. Then Imad would, would, would report back what was said. On one visit, he reported that El Said asked about the progress of the bomb, of which Ahmad was now the official mom, bomb maker of the group. He, okay, so he being El Said, then instructed the group to make 12 pipe bombs, one for the judge that sentenced him, one for a senator, and some for members of the JDL and at synagogues. Yikes. We know all this for a fact because Ahmad recorded the conversation with El Said without the detectives knowing. He went to a little spyware shop and bought his own gadgets. So he's involving himself because then he would have to testify, right? Yeah. Yikes. So when Ahmad told them about the tape, they said that he would definitely have to testify if Ahmad gave the tapes gave them the tapes so he refused to give them the tapes he said i have this tape and they said okay but if you give it to us you have to testify he said then you're not getting this tape cool this eventually got escalated to detective the detective's boss who was losing trust in this informant the boss asked imad to come in and take a polygraph polygraph test to really see what was going on Imad didn't fail the polygraph, but the results showed that he was being deceptive. Oh. We don't know if he's lying, but he's for sure sketchy. Yes, essentially. And so then on this uh, podcast that I listened to, because it interviews the detective, it interviews like everyone, but it interviews the, the detective. And the detective was basically like, 
one of the questions was like, have you ever lied to the FBI? And he was like, who hasn't lied to the FBI? Everyone would fill that question if they got asked. Like You can relate, right, Kinsey? <laughs> who I hasn't just, lied to the FBI? I just love that this detective was saying that. He's like, I've lied to the FBI. <laughs> so he was, I mean, obviously defending Ahmad, being like, okay, this doesn't isn't telling us anything. Sure, he lied to us, but he could be lying about anything. Yeah, his name isn't really Ahmad. Sure. Okay, so the boss gave Ahmad an ultimatum. He either wears a wire and testifies, or he's out as an informant. Ahmad refused to wear a wire, but... Okay, so I kind of made this assumption because I got really confused because he refused, but then he was still undercover. So this is what I think happened. He refused to wear a wire, but he wasn't necessarily pulled out yet either. Napoli and Aunt, and Sev and Sev were working it out with the boss behind the scenes is what I assumed is like, okay, we're not well, also, I'm sure like pulling out as an yeah. undercover person it take, is a long process. Right. You would think. Yeah. I don't think you can just do it like one day be like, I'm not in a terrorist organization anymore. I'm out guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make this bomb. Yeah. Okay. So that was, however, until Napoli suffered... Okay, I couldn't tell whose voice was speaking. I think it was Napoli's. Could have been instead. Anyways, one of the detectives had a med suffered a medical injury that put him out of work for 90 days, in which his boss took those 90 days to fire Imad. Damn. Over his head. The terrorist cell lost their ball maker... No one explained how they pulled him out. He was just gone. He was just out. Cool. But this wasn't a problem because the position was quickly filled by a man named Ramsey Youssef, and he had bigger plans than 12 pipe bombs. So he oh, walked in. So they got in. a bigger, better guy. Yes, he walked in, and they were like, hey, can you make us 12 pipe bombs? And he said no because How about got, 24 pipe bombs. I got a better plan. Yikes. It was a cold day on February 26th, 1993. New York City was buzzing. This was normal. After all, it was the city that never sleeps. It was all business as usual until 12.18 p.m. Occupants on the top floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center felt the building rock. People in buildings nearby could feel the vibrations. Everyone was confused. What was the big boom they just heard? What could cause such big vibrations? Was it an earthquake? People on the lower floors and in the parking garage of the North Tower knew. A bomb had been detonated on the B2 level of the North Tower. As this news started to spread, confusion started to turn to panic. Thousands and thousands of individuals flooded the stairs as the power went out in the building. Some who made it to the elevators before the power went out ended up stuck. 120 kindergartners were stuck on an observation deck. Police helicopters evacuated those that had run to the roof. And of course, rescue crews combed the parking garage looking for survivors. Thousands were injured in the explosion and six lost their lives. They were Robert Kilpatrick, Stephen A. Knapp, William Mako, Wilfred Mercedo, and Monica Rodriguez-Smith. 
Monica was pregnant at the time of her death and was getting ready to go on maternity to leave the next day. Within Bennett, within minutes of the bombing, the Joint Terrorism Task Force knew. They knew this was a terrorist act and the hunt was on for the perpetrators. I'm honestly a little surprised that only six died. Yeah. It's unfortunate that they died, but like, it's nice that only it was only six, considering that thousands were injured. Yes. Seems like it could have been much worse. It could have been worse. And if you listen to the podcast, Operation Trade Bomb, you can actually listen to survivors that were in the parking garage at the time. Jeez. Tell their stories. This sounds sad. So, the hunt was on for the perpetrators. And I'm ending this episode right here. The same way that NCIS ended it? And the same way that NCIS ended it. And you'll have to come back next week for part two. Oh, wait. So, do I have to come back next <laughs> week? Yes, you have to come back next oh, week for part two. <laughs> I tricked you. You signed me up for two podcasts. I tricked you. Damn it, Kenzie. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, no one dies in next week's episode. Are we going to watch the next episode of NCIS? I will see if there's a part two to this episode. I don't know. But okay. there, if there is, we'll watch it. Okay, listeners, if there is, I'll post it on our social media and, and we'll watch it for next week. If not, we just rock and roll into part two of this story because it gets crazier does it ramp up to 9-11 or is it unrelated it won't ramp up to 9-11 although i read it in one spot it was wikipedia so maybe take this with a grain of salt because i haven't seen another the podcast might have mentioned this i don't know if it's true or not ramsey youssef his uncle was the architect behind 9-11 oh so there's connections yes possibly unconfirmed unconfirmed and also it's not like the uncle didn't play a role in this and ramsey didn't play a role in that right okay okay they were possibly related by blood interesting well Thank you for uh, this week's, even though it was a cliffhanger. What do you think so far? Did you learn something about American history? I'm for sure learning a lot. I didn't know there was a JDL. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there was a bombing at the Twin Towers mm-hmm. earlier, but I didn't know the details of it. I didn't know that the FBI knew about the bomb before. They knew this bomb was being made. They knew this terrorist cell existed. Yeah, but then maybe they just didn't know like where it was being, where it was gonna happen. They had an under. I mean, they had the man on the ins. Okay, so I mean, this is we're gonna get into part two because that. Uh, whole, I don't want to spoil anything. That it all blows up of like who knew what what Whoa, happened Kenzie. if you could have some wordplay. How did the? It like, all blows up. I mean, the informant gets pissed off. He's upset. He's mad. He does drastic things. Jurassic or drastic? 
whatever you say because I can't say that word very good. <laughs> Drastic. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it gets crazy, and the hunt right. goes on for years. Well, I can't wait to find out about that. Yeah. Since apparently I will be on next week also, which I'm just now finding out. <laughs> I tricked you. I so so yeah. I texted Carson and I was like, "You have? Are you sure you don't want to be on this week's episode? It's going to be a two parter. We can do this back to back." And still no. Well, we can. Force you never him to responded. Be on next week's. Yeah, we'll be like, "You have to listen to this one on Wednesday when it comes out," and then. You have to be on next week's episode. I'm going to get both of y'all on one episode. We'll see. Little, little who's been tag team. Yeah. Who's, who's fam bam. Fam bam. <laughs> yeah. And then at Christmas, it will be us three and mom. Who's fam bam. <laughs> and dad, right? And dad, if he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a no. Well, we can put dad on it, but then every time we say something that he doesn't like, we'll get a Kenzie. I'll be like, I'm sorry, Dad. He'll be our sensor. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a button that's like a little beep. I did that on the last episode. I had a little, I forgot what I blurred beeped out, but I beeped something out. Really? It was yeah, that bad? I put a sound effect in. I don't know if it's, I said the F word again and I was like, I guess I shouldn't say this. Let me put it in. I don't know. I forgot what I As beeped out, but I did it. <laughs> means no one will know what you're saying i know i was like listen dad doesn't want me to say the f word i'll just bleep it can you bleep bleep that okay i'll bleep that out <laughs> dad you have no idea what he just said i'm not gonna tell you cool. all right well thanks pretty thanks for being on another episode yup thanks for having me this can't is wait to be on next when do i start getting paid for this as soon as i start getting paid for it Oh, we do this as hobbies, Brady. This sad. is a hobby. Oh, I didn't know this was my hobby. A trainer at the gym asked me, because uh, he was asking me about my if I was going to do a Halloween podcast episode, like themed. Oh, that'd be fun. It would have been, but I was like, I was sick, so I didn't release anything. Are you going to do a Christmas one? Okay, I thought about that. I was like, maybe I should find like a Christmas uh criminal minds episode for all of us to do that would be a fun one although it's gonna get really sad because someone's gonna get murdered on christmas i know yeah um so maybe i'll look into that too anyways he asked me i said no i didn't release anything and he asked me he's like so is that like your job then your podcast i said oh no definitely not <laughs> i was like i have an actual job that actually pays. That makes money yeah this is a hobby Nice, nice. All right, All right, well, I will see you next week for another unpaid episode. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman. This is Crime on Primetime, and we are signing off.